welcome. I'm Connor Beaton, and this is the Man Talk Show. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. And joining me today is Gary John Bishop. He is the New York Times bestselling author of Unfuck Yourself and Stop Doing That Shit, <laughs> which sounds pretty damn awesome. Actually, uh, both of these books are, are great. Uh, he was born and raised in Glasgow, Scotland, and he moved to the United States in 1997. After years of facilitating programs for one of the world's leading personal development companies, he combined his training in autology and f- phenomenology with his interest in the philosophies of Martin Heidegger, Hans Gorig Gadamer, and Earl Husserl, uh, I hope I'm saying that last one right, to produce his own brand of straightforward self-improvement. His no-frills, no-BS approach has brought him a growing following drawn to the simplicity and real-world application of his work. He currently resides in Florida with his wife and three sons. So Gary and I dive into the concept of doing the work. And uh, this is, <laughs> the, the, by the way, that's the title of the book is, is Do the Work. Uh, and the, the subtitle is The Official Unrepentant Ass-Kicking, No-Kidding, Change-Your-Life Sidekick to Unfuck Yourself. Uh, obviously, by the introduction to this podcast, you can tell that there's going to be a little bit of swearing. Uh, in this show, it's not excessive. Gary does a, a great job of really, uh, you know, using it where and when appropriate. Um, but you know, his Scottish accent makes you forgive it just a little bit. Uh, at least it does for me. So on this episode, we are going to take a deep dive into some of the things that block us from being able to really be in joy, to really be in uh, a sense of purpose. Some of the things that cause us to have perpetually negative self, uh, a negative sense of self-esteem, negative patterns that lead us to have bad habits that block us and sabotage us from really producing the type of work that we want to do in the world that, that block us and impact impact us from not being aligned with our purpose. And Gary shares some of the specific tools and steps from his book, um, both Unfuck Yourself and Do the Work. So this is, I love this show. I love this podcast. I I really uh, appreciate Gary's work. It is um, sort of like a, a spark a sparse, like a sparse approach to personal development. He really strips down uh, to the bare bones of what needs to be done. And his, his motto is my superpower is forgiveness. And he talks a lot about forgiveness, his own personal story and his own personal journey of what has led him to this place today. Uh, just a bit of housekeeping before I bring Gary on. Quick reminder that we have the men's weekend for 2020 in March coming uh, coming up around the corner. If you're interested or you would like to sign your partner up, please do so quickly as we are almost half sold out already. Um, Vienna and I have also re-released the program, the online program, Get the Love You Want, which is starting on January 8th uh, that you can sign up for. It's a digital program where hundreds and hundreds of people around the world join us and we work on relationships. And finally, uh, I'm excited and ecstatic to announce that Vienna and I are doing a couples only workshop here in New York City 
on uh, for Valentine's Day weekend on February 15th. It's a one-day in-person workshop. We are only taking 20 couples, and we are going to be doing a deep dive into breaking the patterns of conflict, into understanding how to uh, embody and deepen your intimacy and desire in your relationship. So if you have ever wanted to take a trip to New York and do some work with us, now's the time. That is live on ConnorBeaton.com, uh, on Man Talks, in the link in my bio. So head on over and sign up for that soon as we will be sold out fast because space is limited. So with all of that in mind, I am so excited to welcome Gary John Bishop. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Connor. Great to be with you. Yeah, likewise. A bunch of my listeners and guys that are in my community and women that are in my, my community just absolutely love your writing. And and uh, so when I heard that, uh, that we were going to book you on the show, I was really excited because man, people love your work and it seems to really resonate with so many people. So I just wanted to start off with a little bit of a fanboy moment to say thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I better be good then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you've already, you've already won me over because of the Scottish accent. So my, my right. heritage is Scottish as well. And fun fact, my wife and I um, actually got engaged on the Isle of Skye. Oh, wonderful. I was just there in the summer. Beautiful place. Oh, it is it is absolutely stunning for for those that are there. Check out uh, Isle of Skye. Go to the ferry pools and uh, and enjoy some of like the local uh, local food because it's incredible. So, um, all right, Gary, let's let's dive in before we before we start chatting about you and your work uh, and doing the work. Uh, I have to ask you the question, which is tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today. Yeah, I, I've had lots of those because I've you know I've spent quite a number of years like doing work on myself. So I've had like a number of like real um, life-changing moments. But the one that springs to mind was, um, it was about 12 years ago when I realized that I'd spent most of my adult life blaming my mom in particular for how my life had turned out. And it was a, it was a moment of realization because if at the time, if you'd asked me about my relationship with my mom, I'd have said it was fine. I wasn't one of these people who was at war with my parents or something, you know, I spoke to my mom once a week, but it was this kind of dry, banal conversation about the weather and stuff. And uh, so I called her up and uh, I said to her, I'm sorry. And she was bewildered. She was wondering what the heck was going on, you know. And she said, sorry for what? And I said, I've, I've blamed you for how my life turned out and I'm sorry for doing that. And there was complete silence on the other end of the phone. And I said, I never knew what it was like for you to raise me and to be a mom to me and to be a mom to your family and everything you had to deal with. All I did was judge you. And I observed the job you were doing and made my mind up that it was a bad one. And I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too, son. And I started to cry in that moment with my mom. And she was crying too, because I realized that there I was. I was a man of 40 at the time. And it was the first time I'd told my mom that I loved her since I was about 12. And I just slowly but surely drifted. And um, from that moment on, I was, I was like the love machine. Suddenly I was expressing my love to everybody that mattered to me in my life. And uh, it completely changed the direction. And I've never gone back. It's powerful, man. It's it's really powerful. What what led you on the on the path to sort of having 
you know, some of the the awareness and the discovery that she that you had been sort of putting a lot of that blame on her and then how did you sort of muster up the the courage to have that conversation because i know a lot of people that would have that realization and maybe keep it to themselves and not have the tough conversation yeah it was it was one of these situations where and everybody has these where you've just become so conditioned to it it's just how it is I didn't realize there was some other potential there between me and my, my, my mom. I didn't, I didn't think there was an alternative. I mean, I was pretty sure she was the way she is, so that's it, right? And, and like most people, I believed if there was going to be real change, I was going to have to convince you to change, right? Mm. <laughs> Which was absurd. <laughs> um, but But, you know, it all coincided with a time when, my life was doing well in terms of what you would call success, but it was doing really badly in terms of something called fulfillment and happiness. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm. And it was then that I realized that I'd done a few workshops and I'd started this kind of self-examination, not because I'm particularly interesting, more because I'm, I was particularly stuck at that point in my life. I could produce results. I couldn't produce happiness. Mm. And, and I realized that um, in that process that I was subconsciously or otherwise really committed to somebody else being on the hook for my happiness. Mm. And um, and it was the, – the courage was easy when I realized the alternative. So when I realized I'm, I'm either going to keep going with this, this kind of singular way of being and acting, this kind of singular way of – approaching wife or I'm going to, I'm going to have to try something else. And that's when I, I, I really started to discover some of the kind of untapped resources that already exist with me and like they exist with you and everybody else. But I'd become so numb to them, so out of touch with them. It was almost like I'd forgotten, like I'd forgotten how to be vulnerable and I'd, I'd forgotten how to be forgiving and I'd forgotten how to be loving and, and connected. And in the work that that took, you know, I mostly put the responsibility for my relationships mm. at the feet of those that I was in relationship with. Um, I'd forgotten that they could go in a way that I would create. And all of that was just enlivening and fired me up that I could actually have the life that I wanted, but I would have to do it. It's interesting because what I, what I sort of hear you talking about and... And what I think is a really important thing that a lot of people are trying to figure out is how do we bridge the gap between success and fulfillment? And how do we bridge the gap between, you know, results and happiness? Because the two, you know, often what I've after, you know, I've been through the same experience, not not the exact same circumstances, but I've had that happen where I've, you know, achieved incredible results and and really succeeded in many areas uh, of life and gotten to that place and found myself feeling like oh there's something really substantial missing here and so what are you know what are some of the things that you found along the way that block us from being able to bridge that gap between success and happiness and how do we start to shift our behaviors and our and our uh, mindset to to a, a more happiness focused area yeah we we are thrown into this existence. We're not, we're not this existence you're in, you didn't choose it. 
even though it seems like you did, you didn't. You were born at a time when you didn't choose to be born. You were given the name you were given that you didn't choose. You were given the gender you were given that you didn't choose. You were given, I mean, all of this is just kind of like bestowed upon you and suddenly you've got to make your way in this, this thing called life. And one of the things, I mean, we're born into a lot of things that we had no choice in, that if you don't watch, you'll make yourself a victim of them. But anyway, <clears throat> but anyway, but no, and, and I'm not saying anything new here. This is, you know, been, you know, I mean, all the great philosophers talked about what we're thrown into. But I, but it, there's an element of this, and especially for us in this era, if you like, um, there's an element of success that has become inextricably linked to something called success. So that is, we're all kind of hoodwinked into the notion that once I do this or that or that or this, then I'll be happy or at least happier or better off. And what you realize is that when you get there, you're not. It's like you might have more money. You might have a better house. You might have a better job. You might have more admiration or recognition. But you, like the phenomenon that you are, is still dealing with something. And what you're dealing with is something about yourself that you're fundamentally not okay with and that you can't quite seem to put your finger on. So as, as human beings, we're driven to pursue. We're driven towards a day in the future when this is supposed to turn out. But as you'll testify, it never quite turned out, even though you did those things and you accomplished those things. And it can be something as as every day as, for instance, getting your degree. Most people, when they go to college, it's like, oh, yeah, and when I get the degree X, Y, and Z, and then you get a degree and it's still you. Oh, yeah, well, when I meet the right person, and then you meet the right person and you get into it, and then it's still you. And then when I get the promotion, and then it's still you. And so a lot of my work is about people identifying what's the black hole you're really trying to fill. Like, like put your finger on it. Like, what is it you're out to, you're out to overcome about yourself? And um, it's very revealing when you start to see what you're driven to do in this life and what you're using to drive towards it. And so we're, the, the word success and the word happiness should never be confused with one another. You can be happy without being successful. You can absolutely do it. They're not required to be together. I heartily encourage success, though. Success is an awesome thing for a human being. And accomplishment and recognition, those are all brilliant. But they should never be, be confused with your sense of happiness or your sense of fulfillment. And you have to really look. Your sense of happiness and fulfillment does not exist outside of you. It's a self-generated phenomenon. It's something you bring to life. And again, I'm not saying that like it's news to everybody. It's been talked about for centuries or if not thousands of years. You are the source of your own happiness. And the minute you start to look for that happiness outside of yourself, you're given the responsibility for that happiness away. It now lies with something other than you. And all you have to do is just work or produce to, to somehow get to it. Happiness isn't a target. or Happiness is a a self-generated phenomenon that can only happen in a moment of now. It's not later, right? It's like wishing yourself taller or something. You can't, you're not going <laughs> to do that either. And it's, and it's the same as love. Love's another thing like that. You know, you can't, 
love's not a target. It's not a destination. It's, it's you're coming from love or you come from happiness or you come from fulfillment. You start with fulfillment. And, and some people are a little wary of that because they think if they come from fulfillment, then they won't reach for anything. That's not true. You can be fulfilled and delighted and reaching for the stars. They can all exist together. But you'll find the journey for reaching the stars will be a lot less mm. measurable. I mean, I think the the interesting thing that seemed to stand out to me about your your process to taking that step closer to happiness, closer to fulfillment, and starting to bridge that gap between success and fulfillment was actually the 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 forgiveness that seemed to happen. You know, you apologizing and taking ownership over, you know, your your role as as a son that was holding on to I mean, what would you say that you were holding on to and how did forgiveness actually impact? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, forgiveness is one of these things that we all know we should do, but nobody tells us how to do it. Like, <laughs> how do you do it? Like, you know, do you just say it? Like, I forgive you, but then in the back of my mind, I'm like, mm. but I really don't, <laughs> you know? Um, but there is a, there's a way to forgive somebody, right? Part of the problem with forgiveness is it's, the way that we use the word anyway, it's very much tied in immorality. So you end up with this kind of, I forgive you, but I'm kind of self-righteous about it. Like I'm better than you because I forgive you. You know, there's no humility and forgiveness the way we mm. currently use it. What I really, I, in many ways, I flip the tables on myself. So many people want to go to their parents and say, I forgive you for the way that you raised me. Okay. Which is one way to go. You could do that, right? You might not like the way you raised. You might have been beaten, slapped around. You might have been left you know, home a lot on your own, you might, whatever it was, and you might be an adult now, and you've said to yourself many times, I, I forgive them, they did what they did, that just went the way it went. But if you try on the idea that if you really had forgiven them, you really wouldn't have to be telling yourself that at any point, you'd be, mm. it wouldn't even be on your mind. And if you find yourself jarred or triggered by what I'm saying right now, that's another good idea that you're hanging on is something about that. And and if you're interested in being free, then freedom's the only thing you have to be interested in. It's not about who's right, right? Nobody cares who's right, right? And ultimately, you won't care who's right either. You'll only be interested in your own freedom. And by the way, a big part of my fulfillment as a human being came from completing a bunch of that stuff for myself. But I ended up asking for forgiveness instead of giving it. And the reason I asked for it is because I took responsibility for my own actions. I can't take responsibility for yours. Only you can do that. That's up to you. And I don't take responsibility for my actions so that you'll take responsibility for yours. I'm not here to guilt you into anything. You've got to make your own choices in this life. But for me, I'm going to ask for forgiveness because it puts me back in the driver's seat here, right? And so when at the moment I asked my mom for forgiveness, I was, the forgiveness was because I started to see what I had done with what she had done. So I, had, I started to see what the turns that I had taken, who I had become. But again, at the time, I would have looked at myself like I was some kind of triumphant, you know, champion over my past. I didn't realize that it was that I had soured myself, that I had hardened myself, that I'd become someone 
who was now hard to love. It was hard to love me then, like really hard. But I would have put that, I would have made that your problem, you know. So responsibility isn't even about blame. And, and when you get that it's not about blame, it's about finally taking ownership of who you are and what your life's about. Forgiveness is easy. It's totally easy. There's nothing to it. I'd, I'll, I will forgive you in a heartbeat and I'll forgive myself in a heartbeat. I'll ask for forgiveness in a heartbeat. But why? Because I want to get to the very next moment of what's available when I do such a thing. I mean, I think one of the interesting pieces that I hear you talking about is that our act of forgiveness can't be conditional on other people's responses, which I think, you know, when we when we have been hurt by someone, like I think you you pointed out some really interesting pieces there, right? It's like maybe you grew up in a in a home where you were left alone or you were slapped around or, you know, you, you grew up in an environment where you got picked on and no one no one really knew, like whatever that is. The right. the forgiveness often comes with conditions, right? It's like I'm going to forgive you so long as you do X, Y, and Z, or say X, Y, and Z. So how For sure. how do you reckon that that yeah. people like? Because I think one of the things that people often ask is is that forgiveness can seem like a a vague or analogous task, and and people aren't really sure whether or not they're doing it right. And I think that you laid out some important facts there about yeah. how to do it. But for for the listener that's struggling to forgive someone or something or an event, how would you say they actually go about doing it? Yeah, it's never an easy thing to tell someone, right? Because people are very precious about their pain. And what if you started with a notion, though, that if you did forgive them, you'd no longer be able to excuse something about yourself? You'd no longer be able to justify this thing about yourself. And, you'll, and if you start from that perspective, you'll start to see how you've used it. And, and I know people hate hearing that. It's like I'm uncaring or something, or I don't understand people, or you know, I've coached something close to 50,000 people in my life through unbelievable pain. And I say the same thing to them, like by having this linger, how do you get to justify your life? And I mean, I'm talking about people who are saying, I'll never forgive my father for what he did. And I'm still in agony about it. And I'll say, okay, good. When's the last time you talked to your dad? I haven't talked to my father in 32 years. And I'm saying 32 years later, you haven't spoken to him and you're still in pain about this. And then they say, I don't know how to get rid of it. And I'll say, no, you don't know how to get rid of it and keep your current view. And that's that's the challenge for people. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't have your cake and eat it. At some point, you have to say, can I authentically forgive their humanity? Can I authentically forgive my own? That I'm a human being and they're a human being and I might have hated what they did and I might disagree with what they did. And I can continue to disagree with what they did but I'm no longer willing to punish myself, them, or others in the name of it. And now you're starting to get a little bit closer to what? forgiveness. Forgiveness is lets everybody else. I was going to say it sounds like you, you know the important piece. I mean, there's many important pieces of what you just said, but I, I think the important piece that I heard you really allude to is that we need to acknowledge the parts that we've been carrying around, you know, the weight that we've been carrying around and specifically the narrative or the story that we have adopted 
within ourselves about that person or about that situation because that's usually the thing that that we're you know you talked about responsibility before that's the thing that we are responsible for letting go of in the act of forgiveness that's our part yeah and look even if somebody says where i well i can't let it go so it's just the way it is that's your choice therefore you're responsible for your own choices so so you know you got it and at the time, I remember, like, not only f- kind of discovering for myself how easy it was to lighten the burden, there are a number of your listeners right now who'll say, I'll happily live with a burden. And that's what a human being will do. They'd rather be right than free. They'd rather be right. And when I say right, I don't mean accurate. You know, there are 7 billion views on the face of the planet. The the problem that we have is that we argue for hours like it's the truth. I mean, it's your truth, but that's not the truth. And somewhere in there, you'll see the truth. It includes yours and theirs and everybody else's. But we get so dug in about our own. And, and, and part of the problem, by the way, this is where the courage part comes in. You've surrounded yourself with people who agree with you. That's a big part of the problem because that's what you talk to your friends about. And so it takes courage to turn to them and say, I'm letting it go. They're forgiven for a couple of reasons. One, it kind of puts a spotlight on them now because they might have the same or a similar situation in their life. And they're like, well, hold on a minute. No, I don't like you. Um, Or they think you're losing your mind. Um, But at the same time, you know, if you if if you kind of think of the notion that your upsets are fundamentally inauthentic, that's not an authentic expression; it's a reaction. And in the, in the cold light of day, who you are? If I was to ask you, who are you as a human being? Most people will settle on stuff like, uh, "I'm determined," "I'm kind," "I'm loving." Um, I'm loyal, like stuff like that. They'll kind of all the other junk that goes along with that. That's all just your survival. That's all the kind of inauthenticities that you've come up with over time to defend loving and loyal and kind. But if you return yourself to those elements that you might say, like I'm loyal and loving, whatever those things might be, and you said I'm going to handle my life through that lens. You'll see you've got no time for upsets, that you're too busy creating a life that actually fulfills you. It's really interesting because, you know, and this is going to tie into uh, hopefully, you know, some of the pieces that you have outlaid in uh, or, or sort of laid out in, in the new book that you have coming out, Do the Work. But it, it seems like the really challenging part around forgiveness is that we are responsible for sort of taking the leap. And I think one of the biggest challenges that I see people facing, and and I'm not too sh- I'm sure that you've seen this, but I'd like love to hear you speak on it, is that we wait in this position. We we sort of allow ourselves to be in this holding pattern of hoping that the the people or the person or the situation or circumstances that hurt us are going to come back around and forgive us right. at some point. And so what do you say to the people that are are sort of dead set in holding out? Like, I refuse to talk to my father 
you know, I, I haven't talked to him in 30 years and I, and I will not talk to him if he, even if he dies tomorrow, um, you know, because he should apologize to me. What do you say to those yeah. people? Yeah, you're out of your mind. <laughs> um, you're out of your freaking mind. I've had people who said, all I need them to do is say sorry, okay? I just need them to apologize. Mm -hmm. And if they apologize, this will all go away. And I'm not saying this. And people say, I know myself. Well, try on the idea that you actually don't know yourself. Start with the idea that you don't know yourself. You don't really know yourself. How how can I say that so convincingly or with such conviction? Because, you know, most studies have proved that you're anywhere between 95 and 90% driven by what's in your subconscious, not by what you're consciously aware of. So you're a series of reactions that you barely understand. Now, I've coached lots and lots and lots of people in this, this very thing. And they say, if I could just get them to say sorry, if they would just say sorry. And then I've had people who said, yeah, they said sorry, but ultimately it just didn't make any difference. Because the sorry doesn't quite make up for the magnitude of the story you've lived with for the last however long. So if somebody says sorry, it's like, well, you said sorry, but I don't <laughs> think you meant it. Or, oh, well, you meant it, but I think you're just saying it, right? Like, there's always a hole in it. Try on the idea that who you've become is resentful. And it might be an opportunity for you to start taking ownership of your massive commitment to your resentments in this life. Because it won't just be with your dad. It'll be with other people. You've turned yourself into a resenter in the name of something. And ultimately, that commitment to resent will eat you up. And it'll eat you up in ways that it won't eat anybody else up. So you have to start looking at it like it's just a self-inflicted nonsense that you have to start getting interested in your freedom and your vulnerability and your and your power and your ability to live a great life. And if you're going to waste your life on the petty nonsense of your upsets and whatever happened 25 years ago, and yeah, I'm saying petty nonsense, petty nonsense when compared to your potential as a human being, then you got to get interested in a bigger game, I'm afraid. I love it, man. I love it. You know, I think I think what you're saying is so powerful because for many of us it calls us into the space of action, you know, rather than this rather than this stagnant space right. of wrapping ourselves in the comforting blanket of resentment and resenting other people and, you know, rejecting their apologies or, you know, rejecting the opportunity for us to lean in and actually find that forgiveness. So Let's let's just switch a little bit. And, yeah. and, you know, I think one of the things that I would love to to just chat about is, you know, obviously you, you know, you wrote this incredible book called Unfuck Yourself and and really landed with just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And you've come out with this with this new uh, new offering called Do the Work. And I would just, I would just love for you to, to kind of like lean into right. Um, unpacking for the listeners what do the work is about because I think what we're really talking about in many ways is how to do the work. I think we've kind of maybe segued into it uh, unintentionally, right. but but I would love for you to just outline that for our listeners. Yeah, um, so 
And and fuck yourself went off on a tear. It just went on a crazy tear with people, and it spoke to people in a way that resonated with them. I mean, I mean, I, you know, that was my intention, but not to the tune of something. Mm. I think it's like one point seven million copies now sold. That's a few that's, books. That's a lot of that's a lot of books. Um, but right, that's one or two. But I got um, I was getting I've been getting a lot of communications from people saying, "Where do I start?" You know, the book made a lot of sense to people, and it was said in such a way that it that it woke them up to this thing or that thing. And so I gave it a lot of thought, like, well, if I was going to work with somebody to change their life, what would I focus on? And that's when I, I came up with a workbook, and the workbook um, breaks your life down into three things. You, your relationships and what you're currently using your life for, right? So you, your relationships, and what you're currently using your life for. And if you were to take one of those areas on or all three of those areas on, you would, number one, you would see how fucked you are in each of those relationships. That's the first thing you see. And then what I wanted to do with this workbook was to ask you the kind of questions that would reveal why you are not only why you are that way, but how you're going to get out of it. And so the one that I, that I like to start with is this this topic of self, um, and it really zeroes in on what you tolerate about you, what you put up with about you, what you pretend you're okay with about you, and how that impacts your entire life. Like the strategies you've come up with to overcome it and get around it, um, the kind of effort and work that it takes. And, you know, an example of that might be like people tolerate their own resentment or they tolerate their anger, or they pay a lip service, or they tolerate their disconnect. Like I'm, I don't really get along with people, so Netflix is my best friend, and so on and so on and so on. So, the, so this workbook is, because I'm not a big fan of workbooks, I'm not. You know, I don't really want to write down list five great things about yourself, and you know, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I do like you suck. Now it's time to wake up. Um, <clears throat> and so, in this workbook, I ask you some really hard questions, really hard ones. Um, this workbook is an opportunity for you to tell the truth to yourself, like to be honest with yourself, to be straight with yourself. And I think that's a great thing about this workbook. It's in the privacy of the workbook, right? Like you can just fill it in and you can stare your life, you know, in those words, you can stare it down. You can see what you're doing to yourself. You can see what you're doing in relationships. And mostly that's not something we tend to do too much, right? Unless you're into this kind of self-blaming thing, which is another thing you might tolerate about yourself, which is more bullshit, right? You need to stop doing that too. And then... One of the things I think probably the most significant thing as far as I'm concerned is I, I want to return people to their power. I want to return people to the honor, the sanctity, the magic of their word and what it is to be a, the kind of human being that makes amazing things happen for yourself and for other people. And so I've managed to pack it all in there. It's like all of my books, they're, they're not long reads but they're heavy reads you know there there's a lot of content there's a lot in between the lines and there's a lot that you need to fill in but but if you if you give yourself fully to if you tell yourself the truth 
and commit to the process that I'm laying out, you'll have the kind of results that I've produced in my life and produced with, you know, lots and lots of clients over the years. What do you feel like are, are some of the pieces? Because I know you, you know, you laid out like you relationships. And then I think what you said with the last one was what you want to use your life for. What do you what do you feel like are, are some of the pieces that usually block the individual? Like, where do you, where do you start in, in the actual book? What are some of the things that you identified as like really the, the foundational pieces? Well, I would suggest it's kind of like how we started this conversation in some ways. There's, if you keep looking around you for evidence as to how you're doing, you'll never solve that problem for yourself. And so we are, we are seekers, we are pursuers, we are looking. And there's not, we've kind of lost sight of our, our ability to generate, to bring ourselves fully to life. Um, like that, that promotion's not going to make you happy. That, someone once asked me, like, what's the difference between life before all your success and life after it? And I say, better hotel rooms. <laughs> that's about it I don't really experience anything I'm not like walking around you know lit up like a Christmas tree because I sold a bunch of books it's not it's not what it's about um, and so I, I, I want people to get off their addiction their addiction to externalizing a problem that is fundamentally internal mm. And I'm telling you, you'll find, and, and this is what this is what this is what gets revealed here for people in, in, the, in these pages, is that your fulfillment, your happiness, your success, you're not up against anything. It's you're only dealing with yourself. You're not you're not up against the world. You're not up against your boss for that promotion. You're up against what you think of your boss and that promotion. You're not up against writing the book. You're up against what you think about writing the book. You're not up against making $2 million. You're up against what you think of that. And all your strategies and all your plans are based on what you think. They're not based in reality. They're not based in what's actually going on. You're constantly seeing life through a filter that for you is the world. Until you see it's a filter. It's not the world. The world is has is neither for nor against you. It's just there. And the the degree of difficulty in, in, involved in any of that is is made up by you. It's made up by you. It's uh, you're already a walking, talking limitation of of your own potential. And that's interesting because if you do the kind of work that I'm talking about and in this book and even in my other books, You'll start to get this kind of um, this ability to observe yourself, this ability to kind of see you do what you do, and and in that disconnect, in that distance, in that observation mode, you start to see it. It kind of falls into perspective. It kind of lands in a little spot where you're observing it and studying it, and then you start to realize that you're this massive phenomenon that you've turned into a personality. And, um, you know, I'm interested in people getting in touch with the phenomenon that they are, you know. Um, and so when, when you do that, though, like I said, 
you hear a lot. I mean, people talk a lot about the ego, like it's boastful or something. That's not ego. The ego is everything that you think you are. <clears throat> That's the ego. But, but when you observe yourself, you'll realize that it's just whatever that is, everything that you think you are, just shows up where you are. So there's you and this set of behaviors and emotions and that you've become so attached to that you think that's all there is. <clears throat> so when people say they're stuck, it's no, it's the ego is stuck. Um, and even the ego isn't really stuck. The ego is only really stuck in a particular conversation. And every problem you have in your life are the kinds of problems that one would need for your ego to thrive. So you're constantly building your own little empire <laughs> of self-destruct. And, um, and it's interesting when you see it. It's almost like watching the hamster in the wheel. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh, look at me go. You know, look at me being resentful. Look at me being vindictive. Look at me being competitive. Look at me being selfish. Look at me being angry. Wow, look at that. And look at what triggers me. Well, that's kind of lame. I mean, you know, I was I was, I was just um, going to say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in yeah. this, this idea of externalizing the problem, because I, I feel like a lot of what you are alluding to is that a, much of our dissatisfaction, much of our anger and our experience of, of like not being able to take control of our life is sort of revolves around this concept of externalizing our problems. And so, A, how do you see this show up and, and why right. is that so appealing to us as human beings? We are, well, so I'm going to answer that in reverse. It's so appealing to us as human beings because we're tribal. So if your life's a shit show and it's on you, that doesn't look good. So we're fascinated mm. by how we're seen. How are we seen? You know? And, and every time you meet somebody, you're introducing them to what you want them to see. And what you're hiding is what you don't want them to see. So anytime I meet somebody, you know, I mean, after having done what I've done for as long as I've done it, within about 30 seconds, I'm pretty clear about what you're hiding. It's not hard once you kind of see it in people. It's not a problem. Um, and I don't mean you're hiding that you masturbate every Thursday night. You know, I mean, like, what you're hiding about yourself, like what, you're, what you don't want me to see. Because it's self-evident. It's, it's obvious by what you're trying to give me, what you don't want to give me. So, um, but if I was to say, well, my life's a train wreck, and I've systematically done it myself, that doesn't look good at all. That looks terrible. I mean, how do how do I fit in with a with a tribe who are hell bent on success? You know, um, but but to to me, that's true. Authenticity is is finally coming to terms with the damage you've done, but without blaming yourself, without turning yourself into a victim. That's not automatic for us because we we like to explain. You know, like we like to say stuff like, "I'm late because of the traffic." Like the traffic made me do it, even though I've lived here for 12 years and I've been in this job for two years and I know that the traffic can sometimes be like this. And if I was thinking ahead, I could probably look at the TV and maybe left a little earlier this morning, but I left at my usual time and then there's the traffic, right? 
Or, you know, I've been swamped with things. That's why I haven't got back to you. Rather than just saying, I haven't got back to you. Because we always want to tag on Mm. this line that says, it's not me. It's this. Right? And And it's so subtle. We're so used to doing it because everybody's doing it. Like this need, no, 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 let me tell you why. I don't need to know why. I just, I'm just dealing with the impact of what you did. <laughs> why you did it, I who cares, you know? Uh, and really it's like that, you know, and, and even in corporations were so consumed by accommodating why people do things. I mean, life is hard enough without muddying the waters, you know? Like, and it's not like we're not all dealing with things. People are dealing with really tough things, like they're, Parents are dying, or or this, or the, or like you know, like they're they've been fired, or their business is failing, or they're going bankrupt. I mean, this is tough enough with the muddy in the waters of you know whatever reasons, excuses, or justifications you might have added to it. And and I, and just to kind of add on that a little, because I know I'm talking a lot right now, but the. The the my reasons and my excuses for what I do don't mm. seem like reasons and excuses. It seems like I'm telling you what's really going on. What I don't realize is I'm cherry picking what's going on. I'm not saying I was late and I had brilliant eggs this morning for my breakfast. I'm saying I'm late because of the traffic. Like it's the traffic that made me do it. And that's a silly little example, but it is an example of our addiction to explaining our lives, to justify what we do. Take your power back. Stop explaining yourself and start owning your actions and start holding yourself to something a little greater than the timetable of the subway. Yeah, I mean, I think that like just the just the part that you're talking about seems like it shifts the responsibility but not not only the responsibility but it shifts the power back onto the individual which which is interesting because we we do yeah. like you know I, I i fundamentally believe that when we do that we are giving our power away to that thing rather than saying i'm responsible for x right rather than <clears throat> saying i'm responsible for x we say right. traffic is responsible for x or you know what, whatever the case may be and we right. give away these little parts of our of our power of our responsibility. How do you think the two of those right. things are linked together? I, I think you were going to say something else there. Samuel just talk. Yeah, N- no, it's remarkable the degree to which we do this. It's like this kind of slow drip, drip, drip mm-hmm. of your effectiveness in life. And if there's one little thing I would give your listeners is stop explaining yourself, even though you think in your mind, well. No, let me give this person some background because that mm. means they won't think badly of me, right? Which is what it's really all about. Just think about the amount of times you yourself, somebody's told you why they did what they did and you're just like, yeah. so fucking what? I don't, are you kidding me? Like, you're just rolling your eyes, but you're going, oh no, it's okay. You know, it's fine. You know, we're all late, but you're pissed off. It's way more powerful to say, look, I'm light and I'm being responsible for being light. And here's what I'm going to do to handle my lightness. Boom. And the person's like, thanks. Thanks for that communication. And thanks for taking that on. No, it's all this, you know, I'm busy. I'm sleepless night and I'm doing, 
Yeah, you did have a sleepless night if you did have one, right? If you did have a sleepless night. So what? Lots of people have sleepless nights. Oh, the traffic. So what? So you got to be able to take your power back and you take that power back by just being responsible for whatever actions you took or didn't take. And that alone, by the way, that act alone will have you show up in an ocean of ordinary people. You will show up as something distinct and remarkable because you never talk about why you do what you do. You only ever take responsibility for what you do. And, you know, that's that's my whole life. I don't if you think badly of me because of something, I got that. And that's your choice. Right. But I'm going to continue to operate in a way that's consistent with my being responsible for where this is going and how this turns out. And in all of that, my own experience, I can't (laughs) stop you judging me. If you're going to judge me, knock yourself out. But I'd rather you judge me for who I am. Mm rather than who I'm pretending to be. Yeah, I mean, that's so powerful, man. And, uh, you know, I think some of the biggest shifts in my life just uh, mirror exactly what you're saying. Is they're the moments where I took full responsibility, whether it was over my actions, whether it was over my, you know, my own uh, forgiveness or, you know, apology or whatever whatever those those pieces were in my past. And even today, it still, it still shows up. And it's a, yeah. it's a hard... It's a hard fucking thing to do. It's so hard to show up and be like, "Yeah, I'm it late," <laughs> and not and not give them like, but traffic, right? But the New York subway, but the people, but the eh, you know, like know. especially here in Manhattan, it's I like know. I have all the excuses yeah. in the world, and and it's so challenging to just let go. It's so fucking tempting just to go. Oh my gosh, there was a crazy person on the subway, and the whole thing got fucked up, and oh, they were dressed up like Spider Man, and I couldn't. Nobody yeah. cares, man. <laughs> just I'm light. I'm 20 minutes light, and here's what I'm doing to deal with my lightness. So it might be I'm going to stay 20 minutes later at the end of the night, right? Um, you just be responsible. Just like show up like a powerful human being. And here's what you might find will happen. You might this might not happen, but I see this happen a lot. People will get inspired by you. They'll want a better your action, so they're like, I'm gonna. Stop doing that stuff. I'm, what's the point in telling people why I do what I do? Why don't I just be responsible for that I do or don't do? Um, and you know, I went. I, I went to a. I, I do a lot of speaking engagements, and I did one a, a while back. And the guy said to me, "I've never met anybody so authentic as you." And I'm like, "Really? Like really? Like is this how fucked up we've got?" Like, I'm showing up as different just because I'm being my fucking self? Like, is is this how pathetic it's gotten? Like, I can't, like, you don't see an authentic human being too often. You see a lot of fakers and shakers. And, And so that's, it's, it's, it's absolutely critical to your existence as a human being that you get clear about who you are, that you take responsibility for all of that. All of it, like, you know, and I'm including like your, my, if, if an, a, an easy one for people is relationships, right? Well, relationships are 50 50. Not all the fucking ones you're in. If you look at all the failed ones, you were in all of those, but the personnel changed every time, right? That's what they all have in common, you. And so my view of relationships is they're on me. I don't, you know, I've been married for 22 years now. Um, 
I don't I don't expect anything for my wife. I mean, it's handy that she's there, I guess. But but in terms of like having a loving relationship, having an amazing relationship, having a passionate, committed relationship, that's what I'm bringing to the table. Now, that's the relationship I'm after. So I keep bringing that and bringing that and bringing mm-hmm. that, but I'm not doing it so that you're different. The only thing actually I do ask of my wife is that she's just herself. I'm not, I don't ask her to be somebody else. I just ask her to be herself. And 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 I'm I'm that way with all of my relationships. Though they go the way that I go. And if somebody resists that or doesn't like that, they tend to go their own way. I don't cut people at my life. They come and go. I just stand there, do my thing, and. Some are into that and some are not, and it's how it rolls. You know, I think the the piece the piece there for me is like it almost sounds like your book, and we're gonna have to wrap up here because we're almost out of time. But but I think you know the the concept that I hear standing out for your book, do the work, is that it's gonna get people into ending their addiction with excuses, and because that kind of seems like this big theme throughout our our conversation today. And I think that we all have some addiction to excuses in some part of our life, whether it's our health and fitness, whether it's our mental health or our relationship or our sex life, or, you know, I mean, it's, we, we are addicted to excuses. And I think that our, our, you know, society and the, the social media that, that we have sort of taken on, it makes it very easy for people to portray a yeah. certain image and not live authentically. And so the people like yourself that are living in alignment with the work, that are actually doing the work, stand out. And it's That's so right. easy to see. So when you're around people that are living the work, right, that are doing the work every day, right. it just fundamentally feels different than the people that aren't. Right, right. And it's, and it's look, there are people that will read my book and say, I read your book and it didn't change my life. <laughs> Do you get how fucking absurd that is? Right, right. That's your fault, Gary. <laughs> it's your like, fault. Why didn't you dude, change your life, Gary? I know. Like, for fuck's sake, you've got to change your life. You could take one page of any book just about, and find something in there that if you thought about it long enough could shift you. Um, it's, you know, it's, I, I want people to wake up to the notion that I might show you the door, but in terms of opening that door and walking through that thing, that's all on you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's a, that's a perfect place for us to pause. And, uh, you know, I, I really, truly am a, a big fan of your work. And having talked to you now, uh, you know, just such an advocate. So, you know, you're obviously welcome back on the show whenever you want. Thank you so much. Great. For, for joining us today and we'll have the link in the in the show notes but anything else you want to say to the listeners today no i mean you know well yes one little thing just you know look the cavalry ain't coming get yourself the resources get what you need and make the change love it love it well thanks so much gary for for joining me today and uh for everyone that's out there listening head on over and check out his work if you haven't already uh, read his book on fuck yourself or uh, if you're looking to dive a little bit deeper and do some work on yourself check out do the work and again we'll have the links in the show notes for those don't forget to leave a rating and review it goes a long way to getting our show into the ears and on the phones of other people and until next week this is connor beaton signing off join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual 